Well, hey there. How you doing today? Simeon here. Welcome back to my YouTube channel. Thanks a lot for joining me here today. I wanted to talk a little bit today about where we are with UFO disclosure and a lot of the news that's been happening around the UFO topic and to kind of continue on from my previous video. In the previous video, if you haven't seen it, uh, I'll put the link right up here to it. it. I was talking about crop circles, uh, metamaterials, and symmetries, and some of the reasons why crop circles may create strange electromagnetic, even quantum effects, cause battery failure, camera failure, and this is also what we sometimes see around UFO encounters, people having their cars stall uh, just suddenly, and electronics stop working, things like that around UFOs. So there could be some similarities between the quantum principles that make crop circles work and that make UFOs work. And so we got into the topic a little bit about so-called metamaterials. Now, metamaterials, as you're probably aware by now, are these engineered materials with very fine-grained repetitive detail that actually breaks up the wavelength of a particular electromagnetic frequency. Often, in the case of light, metamaterials are used to shift frequencies of light to create so-called negative refraction indexes, even double negative refraction indexes which can create invisibility cloaking and this is kind of a hot topic right now right because we know from the TTSA uh, reports and research the Chris Mellon leak slide 9 that these UFOs have the ability to be invisible to cloak themselves uh, we heard this on the show unidentified that there could have been some cloaking involved uh, selective uh, weapons jamming of the F-18s as reported by Dave Fravor on the West Coast. We heard the East Coast F-18 pilots talk about the flying cubes and so forth and how these objects, as they said on the show Unidentified in season one, uh, they were there every day. They went up to practice in their, uh, I think it was called the Oceana uh, Air uh, practice area, whatever that is called, our, our operating area, uh, not too far actually from Washington, D.C. So there's been a lot of talk about what these objects are, where they're from. I mean, you've seen it and you probably have a lot of questions about this. So we seem to be making a lot of progress or some progress in the public acceptance that this is a real phenomena, which is actually quite a relief after 70 years. Uh, because it's reduced the amount of ridicule that witnesses are receiving and just the amount of the, the giggle factor that uh, surrounded this topic. All of a sudden, the media don't seem to be laughing so much. They seem to be asking questions. Now, when I look at some of these media uh, segments on this phenomena, uh, they're trying to pull for some sort of easily explanation. And that's kind of understandable, right? Because that's what our minds do. They saying, well, maybe this is some sort of Russian or Chinese DARPA, you know, defense advanced research project agency. We have our own DARPA here in the U.S. Uh, maybe it's some sort of advanced tests or something like that. And, you know, that sort of explanation doesn't really go too far because you're not going to be testing your most advanced technologies right off someone else's coast. You're going to be deploying them there maybe if they're invisible. You're not going to be testing them for weeks on end as we heard uh, about on the East Coast, or even for a week on the West Coast with the 2004 Nimitz encounter. So 
that sort of explanation to me doesn't seem very convincing, but it's sort of the thing you'd expect from the media, at least they're taking it seriously. I mean, it's something that no one seems to know exactly what it is, and it was interfering with the naval practice operations, which is why these pilots, uh, you know, were so concerned about it and are still concerned about it. So. At one level, the media seems to be opening up to it. The military, at least the Navy, have said that they're going to encourage people to report these objects and so forth. But there's kind of another uh, layer of it which has to do with you and me. And it's something that's not going to be quite as obvious, which is, as a species, humans have gotten used to being the top predator on the planet, right? I mean, there really aren't any other species here that seem to be technologically superior to us or something that could easily uh, threaten us because of our technological prowess and intelligence overall. And most of the other species, you know, have been, many of them been domesticated or uh, they've been, you know, turned into food or pets or something like that. So we feel like we're the top dog on the planet. Well, let's say that's not the case, okay? Let's say there's something else here that's intelligent around us that could be invisible using its metamaterials but we can't detect easily and is far more technologically advanced than we are. I would say even you know withstanding any uh, notwithstanding any government conspiracies or control group or something like that which may or may not exist I don't really know just from the point of view of our collective ego we're going to have a tough time admitting that there's anything else. And I think that's why you've had this giggle factor around this topic for so long, right? Is it's kind of scary to think that there could be another species that's just more advanced than we are. Now, if you look at the way we treat animals on this planet, it's not always so great, right? We have organizations that are devoted to protecting animals, uh, a whole variety of organizations because we often mistreat animals, whether they're domesticated animals in farming situations, uh, cruelty to animals, and so forth. So we haven't treated the animals in many cases that well uh, around us. We sometimes, you know, we, we, we hunt them sometimes just for fun beyond the need for food. And I think there is a deep-seated fear that another species could treat us the way we have treated other animals. And I think that's part of the reason this topic is so hard to talk about. If you looked at my Richard Doty interview from the Laughlin Conference last April, uh, he suggested that there is some level of hostility from some species that seem to be showing up here on Earth. Whether they're extraterrestrial, whether they're where they're from, I, I don't really know, and I don't want to get into that here, but he just suggested that some percentage of it is hostile. And I think that idea is so terrifying to us that that is another reason collectively as a society why we don't want to talk about it. It's not something we've considered in thousands and thousands of years that there could be a more advanced species around us, which in some cases could be hostile. And I think that's a scary idea that is something we don't want to consider. And it doesn't have anything to do with the government or anything outside yourself. It's just how you react to the unknown, to dealing with something that's on an equal level with you or even superior. So that's one aspect of it which may contribute to why we don't want to talk about this collectively because there just could be something that's just frankly scary about it, okay? Even if the majority of the phenomena isn't. Um, 
But then if we go a level further beyond that, there's the Jacques Vallée argument, which is always worth considering here, which is that this phenomena is not purely physical. So looking at the metamaterials is only going to take us so far. Vallée argues, uh, going over one of his older books, Invisible College, I think it's from the 70s, but it's still quite good, where he goes over these older cases, cases from the 50s and shows how the phenomena has changed decade by decade. If you remember in the 50s, it, it, we didn't refer to people who experienced this as UFO abductees or called contactees. And the people that they were having contact with, the entities, the alleged non-human entities said they were from Saturn or Mars or Venus or Jupiter. I mean, planets that we don't believe has any life on it. And if it does have life, it's in a totally different dimension. I mean, Venus is pretty hot. To have life. But that's where these entities said they're from. And Vallée uses this type of uh, argument to suggest that the phenomena presents itself as an advanced sort of species with advanced technology, but that it's doing that because that's the only way we can kind of understand it. In other words, these UFOs are not really extraterrestrial. They are some sort of intelligence that projects itself into a technological form, which is something we can relate to as something as being from the future. I think you can kind of see where I'm going from this, right? So that's the valet argument. Even if it has a physical component, it's just kind of creating that physical component so that we can kind of identify with it. Otherwise, we might totally all flip out because it's something that we can't even understand. It's putting itself in a form that always seems, no matter what decade you're in, to be more advanced than where you are technologically, where we are. So it's changed from the 50s to the 60s to the 70s, and then we had you know triangular craft showing up, 80s, 90s, so forth, Hudson Valley, UFO Phoenix Lights, uh, the Belgium case in uh, the late 80s, and so forth. Um, and we even interviewed, remember, a guy named Vinny, who was the wrestling coach at my high school, Edgemont High School. Uh, way back when, who saw the Hudson Valley UFO uh, in the late 70s, okay? And David Marler's written a great book called Triangular UFOs, where he shows that this phenomenon actually goes back quite a ways. He even, I believe, had some cases from the 20s, Connecticut, and some from Alaska way back when. But predominantly, it seems like a more modern thing. So the phenomena keeps advancing in the way it presents itself to us. Now, I'm not saying that is what is going on but that's the valet argument it's something we have to consider here that it's the phenomena is not what it appears to be you have to keep in mind that a lot of contact people have had uh it doesn't always seem like they're dealing with physical entities right i mean sometimes the entities show up in their dream state but when they wake up they're marks and it's not quite clear where these interactions happen if they have a partner who's sleeping next to them they don't see anything and so where is this space where this interaction is happening? So perhaps the phenomena makes itself look a certain way just so that it seems related to our 3D sense of space-time. You kind of see where I'm going with this. So that is a level further beyond the metamaterials physical craft aspect that makes it a little harder to explain, even though it does have a military aspect and can interact with militaries around the world as it has done for a while. And I have talked to people beyond Hal Putoff about these materials. Remember, uh, he gave us that presentation a year ago, uh, June 2018, in uh, Las Vegas about UFOs and metamaterials and how the government has been studying it the whole time with classified research. Now, I've talked to other 
another scientist about this who doesn't want to come forward at this time, but he told me things that are very similar to what Hal told me, that this technology is at least a thousand years ahead of where we are. It's uh, engineered uh, with nanotechnology in a weightless environment with isotopes, uh, materials that are not even from Earth. They're from another part of the galaxy. So I've heard this from a couple reputable sources. And so it seems like an extraterrestrial phenomenon. At the same time, it seems to have capacities even beyond what you would expect from physical beings. It can kind of morph in and out. The objects, the UFOs, UAPs can kind of seem like they can just sort of disappear and maybe they really are. So it raises the question whether it's coming from a parallel reality. Now, I don't want to make this too complex. We've already said quite a bit here. But you have to consider the possibility that nobody really knows what's going on here. And I just want to leave it at that. We often like to think somebody knows, but they're not telling us, right? They're not telling you and me, and it's a conspiracy and so forth. But let's say nobody really understands what this is. I mean, it wouldn't be that surprising throughout history. We've encountered new data, new ideas, new evidence that suggested the universe was bigger and bigger. And people have faced this, these feelings before of not knowing what's going on. And I'm going to just suggest here that we're in one of those phases where we don't know what's going on with this phenomenon. And that perhaps no one really understands it. And the ideas we're hearing about it uh, from television and from the media and even that the U.S. Congress uh, has been briefed about this subject recently from the TTSA group, uh, Lou Elizondo and others that even that is just a tiny percentage of the whole phenomenon. The larger phenomenon is something we simply don't understand yet. It's simply, uh, it's the idea that we're just in some sort of bigger universe or multiverse that we don't comprehend yet. And we're just taking baby steps right now to understand it so that it's really quite a huge phenomenon. And we're just seeing little slices of it and doing our best to make sense of it. But it's just simply a lot bigger than that. So, okay, I hope you enjoyed that. I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, feel free to put your questions and comments in the box below. Uh, we'll see you next time. Take care for now and bye.